Welcome to the Selfmaker Show. This is your host, Connor Lynch. This is an interview for my personal archives. Enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to the Selfmaker Show. This is your host, Connor Lynch. I'm delighted to welcome John Fanning. Thanks, Connor. Uh, you're another person that I've admired um, for, for a very long time, so I speak you know, a, few, a few years ago now in Diageo, and, um, and I reached out to you on social media to see could we meet. It's been a pleasure to meet up with you a few times and tell you what we're up to and hear some of your uh, stories and share some of your wisdom. You've had an amazing career in Irish media and advertising. Um, could you maybe, maybe tell us a little bit about your story and maybe some of the, some of the highlights, please? Uh, well, I started work in, um, in London in the 1960s. There was no... couldn't get a job in Dublin when I graduated from UCD. So I went to London and more or less accidentally ended up working in market research. Uh, with a company that was actually owned by Unilever. Unilever owned an ad agency at that time, Lintas, and they owned a research company. So I ended up working there, and I stayed in London for about six, seven years, and in fact, I worked in market research the whole time, uh, both for the Unilever market research company, Gallup Poll, and then in the research department of an ad agency. The ad agencies had research departments in the 1960s, and I was there just around the time when account planning was introduced and when a lot of market research departments of ad agencies were turned into uh, account planning departments. Although the, the, the main agency who was really, there were two agencies responsible for the birth of account planning. Boaz, Massimi and Pollard, and I knew some of the people there who had started up that agency in 1969 and uh, J. Walter Thompson under Stephen King's auspices. So I, I was interested in that area uh, because it was partly market research but also it, it went a little bit beyond market research in terms of advertising development. So when I came back to Dublin in the early 70s, I joined McConnell's and in effect I was an account planner in the early 70s, although the title wasn't, it wasn't, that, it wasn't used as that title, but I was doing the research and heavily involved in the development of advertising. So that was uh, how I started. I stayed in McConnell's uh, for God knows how long, but I retired in 2005, so whenever, the early 70s up to then, and uh, that was it. Mm, great. So you've had um, quite a, an active retirement then, because you're up to other yeah, things I, as well. I, uh, I do lecturing in, uh, in, in the subject, in marketing, it's what, what I call branding and marketing communications, because branding inevitably involves marketing communications, so you have to have a reasonable grasp of what the communication channels available are if you're going to be developing brands. You've got to have a good idea of what they are from the beginning. Um, so I lecture on that in uh, the Sparkford School. I do the odd bit of writing on the subject mainly in marketing magazine where I have been reviewing books for about the last 15 years I think mm. and I have the occasional pieces in the Irish Times in the business section mm. and um, you did write, a, was it one book you wrote? Or? I did, in 2006 I 
kind of tried to collect everything, you know, the, the, mm. the articles and thoughts that I had on branding. And it was a kind of primer on branding, but from an Irish perspective. So it was called The Importance of Being Branding, uh, an Irish Perspective. And I covered a fairly wide range of subjects in that book. Um, I'm not, it, it obviously would need updating yeah. nowadays. I'm not sure if I'm up to the discipline of, of going through the whole thing again. But a lot of the basics are true because mm. the basics don't change. Yeah. And what were the, some of the top brands that you would have worked with? Maybe some of the more well-known Irish brands that you would have worked with from the start? Maybe. Well, there was a fair... I mean, some of the, 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 the bigger Irish brands um, are, are multinational brands because McConnell's would have had a mix of indigenous mm. and multinational accounts. So... Um, Lion's Tea, uh, and that's some people think that's an Irish brand, but it's really it, it's owned by Unilever. Always was. I, no, it wasn't always owned by Unilever when we were handling it. <coughs> and uh, Ballygown, which we launched uh, in the Irish market. Um, then there was the IDA, which was you know took up a major amount of my time because the, uh, although it's the IDA strictly is a brand like any other organisation is a brand, but we were advertising Ireland from a brand perspective, and that got me interested in the subject of nation branding, which I think is quite important. Um, Bordemona, a lot of the big Irish state companies. Um, that's hard to remember back now. Surf was a major success, funny enough. Again, another Unilever brand because it was languishing in the Irish market at about one or two percent and we created the uh, Biddy White Lennon commercials uh, with the line and if you're not satisfied, leave our brothers or give you your money back which became a big kind of cash rate. So it was a very successful, it, we pushed that from about one and a half percent of the market up to over ten percent of the market and it was particularly interesting from the point of view of using indigenous advertising as opposed to the multinational advertising which we were, were being supplied with from either London or wherever Unilever thought there was a good campaign going. And I think we proved that if you have advertising which is based on the, the population that you're aiming at mm. as opposed to global advertising, it's usually much more successful. I, mean, I think they've gone back to using global advertising now, and I suspect they do not have the same market share as they had when, mm. when we were working on it. Yeah, it's a big challenge for other, the bigger brands, um, knowing whether to use that international content and that our local. Yeah, and the, 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 it's a debate which is, I mean, it will always go on because the cost of producing, the problem with operating a small market is your production costs are relatively high in relation to your media costs. Mm -hmm. So your percentage spent on production is always going to be at a, a level which many multinational companies would consider unacceptable. However, if you do create a good campaign for your own market, the, the fact that it's going to be much more effective will outweigh the yeah. extra ratio of production yeah. to, to expand. Yeah, I think you find as well, um, I suppose with a lot of digital and social media campaigns nowadays, the production costs have come way, way down, the media costs, I suppose, are that's the biggest. Affordable. That's the big advantage. Uh, that's the, you know, one of the big advantages that the, the social media and digital revolution pushed mm. in. Uh, it, it has radically reduced production costs. And it enables 
small companies and small countries, mm-hmm. uh, the companies from small countries to, to, to compete more, uh, they're never going to be on a level playing yeah. field, but on a, on a more even playing field than in yeah. the past. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> the, yeah, the, the local content, I know for example, with, say, with work we do with Sony, the local content that we produce is always more, way more effective than something that might come in that's more generic. Local content almost by definition will be more yeah. effective. Uh, but it still has to be good. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can have some pretty awful local content, which is not going to. Be yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, for those not familiar with um, branding, and I know you're, you're an expert in branding, uh, can you maybe tell us a bit about what? How do you go about creating a brand? Like, say, Ballygown starts off and it becomes a household name for years. How does what some of the it's, steps it, did you take? No, no great mystery in it, and yet it, it requires. A certain amount of creativity and strategic thinking, which is always going to be difficult. I mean, what, what you what you're effectively trying to do, it gets back to the basics of marketing. You've got to try to understand first of all the fundamentals of the market: who's buying what, what different groups are buying different products, and why they're buying. So you have to understand the dynamics of the market, which can only be done through market research. Then you've got to look at your brand in relation to everybody else's brand and what are its strengths and weaknesses compared to the other brand's strengths and weaknesses. So all of that is conventional, traditional market research, which sometimes people now can be a bit dismissive of, and that's really silly, uh, because there are the rules of market research and the techniques have been built up over the last hundred years. Uh, they have proved to be very robust, and really there is no excuse for anyone managing a brand, not understanding the market mm. first and what their position of their brand in the market is. And sometimes today you see people don't have those basics. They don't have what we used to call usage and attitude studies done. Like who's using your brand? What are their demographic attitudinal and behavioral characteristics compared to the people who are using, who are buying other brands? Mm-hmm. And that kind of basic information. Once you have all that information, and only when you have all that information, can you decide what's the most effective strategy for my brand that's going to make it grow? Mm-hmm. That requires creativity. That will not market research will is an invaluable aid and is necessary to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But then you're kind of on your own and you've got to come up with what's the strategy that's most likely to be effective. And then the third stage is the actual communication material mm-hmm. that you make for that strategy. Yeah. Now, that's fairly simple, but it seems to, you know, a lot of people jump in too quickly, either creating content before they know what the structure of the market is, or and before they have devised a proper strategy, or missing out on one of those three stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I know you like to talk about uh, brand stories and the story of a brand. What do you, what do you mean well, by that? Well, effectively, I mean, I, I wrote a paper about must be 20 years ago now, uh, and the title was Tell Me a Story. I mean, the brand, I think the guy, I can never remember his name, Scott Bradbury or something, he was um, Nike, I think. Uh, and he said that, you know, the, 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 the brand is the story you tell people about, mm. about what it is you're selling. Effectively, a brand is created by consumers, not by yourself to some extent. It's the ideas that people have in their head about your brand. Mm -hmm. What you have to do is decide what story do you want people to think of when your brand name is mentioned. Mm -hmm. That's the essence. Yeah. And um, I know you work with Board B, a brand forum, and you were talking recently about, um, you know, the 
the, the story of Irish brands and food producers and how it's evolving and... Um, well, the Brand Forum is, is a voluntary group of people who have worked in the industry, mm-hmm. usually for some time, uh, who organise under the auspices of Board Bia, and Board Bia do all the organisation, uh, <coughs> speakers who would have relevant mm-hmm. experience to impart to Irish brand owners. And there will be some emphasis on the smaller brand owners now, mm-hmm. because a lot of the Irish brand, brands are quite small. And really one of the fundamental objectives is to encourage Irish food food and drink producers to develop strong brands themselves rather than immediately sell into own brands or to retailers. Now, most Irish food producers, to some extent, because of the size of the country and the power of the retailer, have to come to some kind of arrangements with retailers whether they're going to supply own brands or not. Mm. Our objective is to try to get them to concentrate as well on developing strong brands in their own right. Because if they sell everything into retailers, then they're really not masters of their own destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there are some companies who are set up specifically to supply uh, retailers, and they're based on a mainly low-cost producers, because that's what the retailers are looking for. Mm-hmm. But we would argue that for the sustainability of Irish business in the future and the Irish food industry in the future, it would be better if people created strong brands themselves. And in particular, strong export brands. It's almost, it's pretty impossible for a small country to be a low-cost producer Mm -hmm. on an international scale. The better strategy for Irish companies is to develop premium brands Mm -hmm. uh, for niche markets around the world. And is there any like brands that you think that are doing a really good job, new brands that have emerged in the last few years? Um, there are a number of, the, well there are a lot of small brands out there which have huge potential um, and there are some emerging brands which have, which have started to do well on, on export markets. So Favins uh, mm. would be a very good example. Uh, they've got a unique product. Well, that's not a unique product, but they've got a unique brand story because they have, you know, they have generations of um, of making that product. Uh, Ireland would have would be known mm. as an area where porridge was something that was used from time immemorial, or eaten from time immemorial, and therefore you've got a very credible story to tell in export markets. Um, Butler's chocolates is also doing very well. Uh, and you know they have an interesting retail strategy that they, they, they now control their distribution to a large extent because of their coffee shops and they have about 10 or 12 outlets around the world and all kinds of unlikely places like Pakistan, the mm-hmm. Middle East and that's a brand which has grown in, in a strange kind of a way but hugely successful. Mm. Um, Spur and Smokehouse is a smaller brand but is establishing itself as, as exactly the sort of area that I'm talking about in, in niche markets and premium outlets mm. in uh, export markets. Yeah. And I think that's the future in a way. Yeah. Now, there have been some spectacular successes mm. as well in kind of mass markets like cheese strings. Uh, and mm. Kerry would be obviously one of the biggest food producers and they have a number of international mm. brands. Yeah, great. Uh, so... Do you reckon branding matters as much today as it did in the past? Yes, no doubt about that. Uh, it matters 
just as much today. That hasn't changed. You know, people will still buy into good stories. Um, so what's, what do you see the impact of like Little and Aldi, where they just have these their own swathes of brand, different brands? That, what do you think of those? I think the retailers have become very powerful, uh, and you know, the, the, a manufacturer has no option but to deal with the realities mm. of the world and come to some kind of accommodation with them. Uh, and ultimately, the retailer needs brands. I mean, one of the most famous retail upsets. In, in my lifetime was when Tesco overtook Sainsbury's in the UK somewhere around the early 1990s, late 1980s. And one of the reasons that was given for that was that Sainsbury's had almost 80% owned brands uh, and Tesco had a, a mixture. Now they have more old brands today, of their own brand today than they would have had in the past, but you've just got better variety. I think mm. the consumer wants and likes and is attracted to brands with good stories, particularly mm. Irish in a local market, Irish brands. And you know, the retailer is dangerously pushing the limits, in, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah, so I think they seem to be creating these like almost like pop-up brands for different products, and it's there's no real story behind it. It's just a logo. Yeah, when there's no story and no consistency, then ultimately people are going to get confused and mm. they're going to get bored. Yeah. yeah. So you're better off having a consistent story yeah. over time. Um, I suppose then I remember back to the early uh, own brand, which were you know uh, yellow pack, and there was some terrible packaging. I think it used yeah. to be associated with no, terrible, terrible no packaging. About it. I mean, retailers did not engage in marketing yeah. up to about the nineteen nineties. Uh, they were, they were, they saw themselves as selling mm. and the lowest possible price, and that was what they were doing. And they said that you know their objective was to provide the best service for their customers, the lowest mm. price for their customers. Uh, I claim that I have always considered to be extremely dubious. I mean, their mm. basic objective is to get the highest price with their shareholders, mm. uh, and all this talk about their customers is just talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the way they go mm. on. Um, they ha- but they have become much more sophisticated in terms of marketing. They now they used not do market research uh, mm. not, uh, until the last couple of decades. They now understand the consumer much better. And some of their retailer brands are quite sophisticated offerings, particularly in terms of packaging. Hmm. Um, well, what would you think of the, the validity of market research that's conducted, say, with online data based on online conversations that people have on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube? Or, um, um, would you? It's, I would see it in the rel- in, as qualitative hmm. research. It is, I, I, would, I think it's dangerous to regard it as quantitative research. Hmm. Uh, you know, no matter what happens on social media, the rules of statistics and statistical validity mm. still apply. Mm. Uh, the, the laws of statistics don't care about social media. So mm. you still have to have, uh, you know, properly drawn samples, yeah. properly representative samples, mm-hmm. if you want to be sure of your data. Yeah. And uh, you've you've migrated um, some of your career over to LinkedIn and Twitter and I know you're not very active but how do you find these tools for communicating? I think, I, I think they offer huge opportunities for smaller brands in particular. Uh, I would just have one or two warning points for anybody, for a small brand entering that market. First of all, again, like the, social media does not negate the laws of statistics nor does it negate the laws of branding you still have to have a story you Mm. still have to have a strategy 
And jumping too quickly into mm. social media is a temptation which I think too many uh, brand managers mm. uh, fall for. And they confuse activity with proper strategy and yeah. action and results. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like promotions in the 1970s and 80s. You know, people feel they give an immediate sales boost and they make them, that they give the impression of being extremely busy in their jobs. But they need to step back and think about what's the overall yeah. purpose, the strategy and the objective. And too often that's forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so where, where do you keep up to date with um, marketing news or, you know, trends you, you well, obviously social media and and, uh, and the new channels are an invaluable source of information um, however uh, I would you know th there are a lot of journals out there which mm. still provide the outlets yeah. for people who want to write seriously about the subject so I would have to you know in, in Ireland marketing magazine it, it will keep you up mm. to date now it's not an academic journal in that sense. AdMap is probably the one that uh, I would recommend to people mm. to follow uh, on a regular basis because it tends to keep to to be the most up to date source of information in our business. Now, the World Advertising Research Centre Walk is also mm. something. It can be expensive, but it's it'll keep you up to date with whatever's happening, and increasingly it'll be, keep you up to date with whatever's happening around the world. Mm. Um, excellent. Um, uh, who, is there I say marketers that you've admired, or you know, p people in this in the industry that you've that you've uh, always thought to do great work, and maybe even I mean, at home and abroad. Steve, Stephen King was someone who I thought brought more rigor to the subject than anybody else. Um, he was one of the founders of account planning in J. J. Walter Thompson, who's head of marketing market research there along with Stanley Pollock in, in BMP, but he wrote an awful lot more. Stanley didn't write an awful lot. Uh, Stephen King wrote regularly, mm. and there is a book called A Masterclass with Stephen King, I think, edited by Mary Baskin, and somebody else whose name escapes me, mm. and it's, it's only it's out the last 10 years. Yeah. And, and it's a collection of his essays with commentary on mm. his work, and it's probably something that everybody should read, yeah. because as a, you know, the fundamentals don't change. Mm. And is there any other books that you would recommend people maybe have a look at? Um, there, there's a, a, well, again on a similar line, and again it's a, it's a, it's a planner from BMP, an ex-planner from BMP, Paul Feldrick. I've just reviewed it in mm. the current issue of Marketing Magazine, The Art of Humbug. And it, he traces the story of how people interpret the way advertising works going back for the last hundred years. And I think it's very important for younger people in marketing and branding and advertising and marketing communications to understand where, you know, how the how we have evolved. Mm. There is a temptation in our business, and I've made this point numerous times. To we, unlike other professions, and I use the word profession slightly in inverted commas there, but who build on existing knowledge and they add to it, we're inclined to kick away all the, the knowledge that we've had and rush into whatever is new. Yeah. And we don't build systematically on what we've learned in the past. Mm. And the fact is people don't really change. Mm. The media change, but people don't change. The motivations don't change. Yeah. So it's important to build on the knowledge that we already have and acknowledge that it's there.
just, um, <coughs> just a couple more questions just to fix kind of wrap up now. It's, we're doing great. It's uh, 23 minutes. Time flies. Um, so, uh, so any other plans you have for the next while to anything to do with marketing or oh, business? Keep going, really. Yeah, keep chugging on, and, and it's brilliant uh, sharing the brand form. I'm sure it's meeting lots of uh, ambitious food companies coming through. Um, I know you spend, you know, you love to spend some time in Connemara. When did you start going to Connemara? And I started going to Connemara, I'd say, forty years ago, and. Um, more or less, as soon as when I came back from from London, I, I went down to Kerry for a couple of years, and then for accidental reasons, somebody asked me over to stay in their house in Calamara, and I and I kept going there. Mm. Uh, so I go down quite a bit now, and try to get down at least once every two months, and mm. maybe a bit more. Yeah, beautiful part of the world. And um, uh, any other any other hobbies you have? Apart from, you know, Connemara? Yeah, I read a fair lot. I read a lot of contemporary fiction and poetry. Uh, and I would go to the theatre a fair bit. So it would be anything to do with writing, I would be yeah. interested in. Yeah, great. Well, it's been fantastic to, to have uh, just chat with you, John. It's always a pleasure to meet with you and have our little chats. I hope we can uh, chat again sometime in the audience. Thank Thanks you so much. For, thank you for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat. Please subscribe for future episodes and check out selfmakers.com. Bye for now.